This episode of the Mighty Parenting Podcast is sponsored by Inward Bound Mindfulness Education, IBME. Inward Bound Mindfulness Education believes young people deserve our best attention and support. And in order to create that support, they provide in-depth mindfulness programs for teens and young adults, helping them learn awareness, compassion, and concentration practices on retreats and during summer courses. And they have everything online for summer of 2020. IBME's mindfulness practices help with deep listening skills, self-awareness, and communication, essential competencies for success in all areas of life. And now they've expanded their offerings for adults, including a summer course for parents. You can find out about this and more at ibme.com, I-B-M-E.com. When you get there on the main page, you'll see a spot where you can enter your email address. Do that so you stay updated on programs and events and find out about new course offerings. Then if you look just above that, a little to the right, there is a beautiful nature photo and it says new courses and offerings, new online courses and offerings. Click that picture and it'll take you straight to what they have so you can see what's happening to help you and your teen this summer. Welcome to Mighty Parenting, a podcast with real, raw and relevant talk about raising teens and parenting young adults. Welcome to Mighty Parenting, a community where we help you raise teens and parent 20-somethings so they can become happy, successful, and emotionally healthy adults. I'm your host, Sandy Fowler, and thank you for being here today. I want to ask you to do something, though. I'm asking you to please rate and review the podcast wherever you listen, and also to share it whether that's by word of mouth or through your social media or through your podcast app, because that is how other parents find out about the show and get access to this information so they can have a better parenting journey through those teen and 20 something years. We don't want anybody out there struggling or feeling like they're alone or feeling like they're the only one facing these issues and dealing with concerns and stresses and problems. So please share the podcast to get that out to people. So today we are looking at something, um, I guess that can be a real challenge. You know, we have those middle school, high school, post high school transition years that can be a real challenge. Our kids are dealing with a lot. We are dealing with a lot. And sometimes it feels like we've actually ended up raising ungrateful and entitled kids. Kids who just don't seem to maybe share our values in this area, and we're kind of wondering how that happened and what on earth we can do about it at this point, because, you know, they're older. It's not like they're real little, and sometimes it can feel like that's very hard. Well, our guest today has answers for us. Her name is Sarah Rosensweet, and she knows how to help parents. She is a mom of three kids, an almost 13-year-old, a 15 and 19-year-old, and she is also a parenting coach. So she not only manages and deals with raising her own teens, she sees everything as she works with other parents. And today she's going to help us get a handle on gratitude and entitlement in our kids. So Sarah, welcome to Mighty Parenting. Sandy, thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, I'm excited about this conversation. I mean, 
we mentioned the idea of gratitude before, but we haven't really had a good discussion about this topic. And I hear about it from parents. I hear about it in varying degrees, but I'll hear them saying that they feel like their kid is entitled or ungrateful or they're acting like a spoiled brat. And the parents will be baffled because they're like, I don't think I'm this way. I didn't raise my kid to be this way. What is going on here? Yeah, so I think I th if, if we could just start with a little mindset shift that I think it would be helpful for all parents, no matter how old your kids are, is to really, when you're feeling frustrated with your child, to really try and remember that they're doing the best they can. Um, that, you know, even when you're, you know, your kid may be seeming to act like an entitled brat, if we start from the starting, if we have a starting point of they're doing the best they can, we can really be a lot more compassionate and really get to what's going on with them. You know, if we come at them fighting, like, what's wrong with you? How could you be acting like this? You can imagine that that just makes this cycle of negativity and disconnection and worse behavior. Um, so I always say that to parents, if you can just, no matter who the person is actually in your life, I mean, I use this with adults and, you know, coworkers and whatever, if they're being difficult, any difficult people, if you try and remember they're doing the best they can, there's something going on underneath that is causing them to act this way. So I think starting there is super helpful. Um, and also, I think if you can remember your own teenage years and how it felt, I mean, I remember, especially as a younger teenager, really just feeling like uh, everything I did and said was wrong. <laughs> I just, you know, my hair was wrong. My clothes were wrong. I was, you know, awkward and worried that people didn't like me and whatever. So if you can really start with those, start at those places, I think that's really helpful. It's really interesting that you talked about that shift because this is something <laughs> that I discovered between my husband and I over I don't even know how long the time frame is, but you know, over the last several years, whatever is um, longtime listeners of the show know, and he's told me I can share, is that he is on the autism spectrum, and so he has struggles with some sensitivities and with impulsivity and understanding things, and and just literally his brain functions very differently from mine. And for a long time, we would be in various situations where that was exactly it. My response was anger. It's like, why are you doing this? Why would What's you say that? You? What's yeah. the matter with you? What on earth is your problem, right? Yeah. And once I made that shift of, well, you know, maybe it's, first of all, maybe it's not a problem. And if it is a problem, it's that the problem is that his brain doesn't get this situation in it, mm -hmm. or even the mindset of who says that his is wrong and mine is right. But regardless of all that, as soon as I stopped meeting his anger, which was usually really frustration, as soon as I stopped meeting his anger with anger, as soon as I started meeting that with compassion, instead of escalating it, because anger meeting anger just escalates, but anger hitting compassion can now soften and when 100%. you de-escalate the situa situation and I get you know yes like you said that's an adult it's not my kid but we're human beings and the function yeah, is the same yeah it's a relationship principle no matter how old or who they are it's a relationship principle it just it, it was so 
I'm going on about this probably a little bit, but it was so incredible, incredible to me just how much that impacted our entire relationship. And it was something that was completely within my control, which is the hard part as a parent, right? We can't control our kids. <laughs> it's transformative. It's really transformative um, to have to change your, to have your mindset change that way. Um, and it's really like, I mean, in, in what you're talking about, like when we say compassion, but we're also talking about empathy um, for another person's point of view. And so, you know, kind of circle back around to our entitled teenager. Um, we don't have to agree that it's the worst thing in the world that they don't get the, you know, $500 sneakers. We don't have to agree with them that, that they really should have those $500 sneakers, but we can certainly empathize with the fact that they really want them. <laughs> And that it would be nice to have them. And it's not fair, you know, at least it doesn't feel fair to them that, you know, quote unquote, everybody else has them and, and I don't. And why are you so mean? And all of that stuff. We can, we can empathize without agreeing and we can come to them from a place of compassion. I love that. We can empathize without agreeing. I, and I'm kind of looking for, could you maybe give us a few examples of specific things we could say in some of those situations that you sure. just came up with? Yeah. So, oh, you really want those sneakers, don't you? Yeah. They're, they're really nice. Like, you know, ask your, say, we're just using the sneakers example, ask like, oh, let me see them. Like, show me them on your phone. Oh, wow. Those are nice. I can see why you would really want those. Oh, everybody else has, you're the only one who doesn't. Oh, that must be so hard. Oh, yeah, no, I get it. I, you know, I remember when I was your age and there was this thing that I wanted and I felt like I was the only one who didn't have it either. Yes, I know that doesn't help because you can hear the kids, <laughs> you can hear the kids saying, well, fine, I, you know, blah, that doesn't help. Um, and you, you know, just continually just em empathize. I mean, I, I understand how you're feeling. Um, that must be really hard. Um, and really, this is, this is, I think, a key for parents when, when you're trying to empathize. If you are actually trying to empathize with the surface level of how would I feel if I didn't have those $500 sneakers or, you know, with littler kids, like how would I feel if somebody cut my muffin in half or, you know, whatever they're losing their minds over currently, um, you're probably not going to get to the level of empathy you need to have um, in, in that situation if you're just trying for the surface, you know, comparison. But what you'd look is like, what's the feeling underneath? Like, is your child feeling, um, you know, left out because other people have these sneakers are they feeling powerless because they don't have the the um ability to go and make five hundred dollars and buy shoes with it like what's going what's what's the feeling underneath you know i mentioned powerlessness maybe feeling left out maybe feeling you know disappointed um so try and empathize with the time that you have felt that way that you felt disappointed or powerless or or left out so that was really, your example was very interesting to me, Sarah. I, I hadn't thought to dig into the situation. I think that's counterintuitive when our kids are upset about something. I think as parents, we tend to want to push through it, push past it, move away from those feelings. But you went, okay, let me sit in this moment and not just sit here and experience it with them, but actively participate in that. Yeah. So that's that. I'm, I love that you noticed that because that is um, sort of a foundational uh, 
how to explain it resilience like if you we're going to zoom out here for a minute but we can come back to the sneakers resilience is when you can tolerate difficult emotions right like it's um not giving up when you come up against a difficulty or a failure the fact that that difficulty or failure or um rejection is not so hard for you to manage that you won't try again so that's my definition of resilience in order to become resilient we need to learn through experience that we can handle difficult emotions so that urge that we have as parents to try to make our children feel better to tell them that you know oh you know it's ridiculous to spend 500 on sneakers there are you know children starving in wherever um or um, you know, the sneakers you have are perfectly nice or, you know, whatever we might try to say to change their mind about the fact that they want these sneakers and to have them not be disappointed. And because that's part of it, too. Right. Like we don't want it. We don't want to see our children suffer. Like we don't want to see them upset. We want them to be happy. Um, so we we often from that place, we often try to talk them out of difficult emotions or the flip side. Maybe we say, well, gee, you know, I see I don't want her to be upset. So I'm going to buy her the five hundred dollar sneakers. Um, and so either of those approaches, what I sort of call the, the suck it up buttercup, you know, don't be upset or the, the fix it, like, let me give in to your, to your upset and, and fix it for you. Both of those things, um, impede develop the development of emotional resilience. So the message we want when we're empathizing, um, you know, when I, I, I understand how much you want them, gee, I, you know, they're beautiful. I, I totally get it. Like that's saying to them, all your feelings are okay with me. Like your big feelings are okay with me. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to um, stop them by saying suck it up buttercup or trying to fix it. And I'm confident like that, the sort of parentheses here as a parent is I'm confident you can handle this. Like I'm confident that you can handle not getting these shoes that you want. Um, and that is when you get to the other side of a feeling, you know, you're upset, upset, upset. Um, I read somewhere that if you can picture your feelings are like a tunnel and you're a train going through the tunnel and it's really hard and dark while you're in there, but then you come out the other side and then you learn, I can, I can do this. I can handle this. I'm not going to let these difficult feelings stop me. That's resilience. I'm thinking back to recent conversations my kids my girls are in their early 20s and both have been dealing with various things lately and i find that i haven't quite made it over that line yet i i've moved from where i used to be which is really trying to get away from those feelings to just going you know i'm sorry you feel that way but mm -hmm. i didn't have I didn't have the knowledge to go deeper. So I appreciate that, the idea that I can ask questions about mm -hmm. the situation, but not questions that are trying to solve it, just, mm -hmm. just sort of more about their, not the situation so much as their experience of the situation, mm -hmm. I guess. How is, is that for you? Like how, how yeah. is that for you? That sounds really hard, saying things like that. Um, and you know, I think, I think, Sandy, the reason why you probably haven't gone there is because as a culture, we're really difficult. We're really uncomfortable with difficult emotions, like as a culture. Oh, definitely. I, I mean, we absolutely are. And it's something that has to be learned. I mean, I'm in my early fifties now and I have shared on some of the podcasts. I am actively working on very much on the strategies that Jude Bijou taught us. She was on the show in December and she talked about 
our need to experience and release physically release from our body, our emotions, Mm -hmm. because what we've taught everyone in our culture is smush them down, pack them down. Don't, don't show that. Don't do that. Or if you're going to show it, well, you express it through for girls. It's you're either going to drink wine or eat ice cream and Mm -hmm. for guys, you know, and obviously not, hopefully not teenagers, but that's still the message they get, right? It's the same thing. They're going to go out, they're going to punch something or they're going to go to a bar and get drunk. Yes. The, the cultural norm that we were even taught as kids too, that is not new to the American culture. Not at all. And it's, it's in peaceful parenting. We talk about um, the emotional backpack, which is a metaphor for your body, which is exactly what you're talking about. And if we don't process our feelings, and I love that the, the person who was on your podcast talked about the physical, physic, process them physically, like, and for, for us, we talk about laughter and tears. Um, you know, laughter and tears clear all of those stuck emotions out of your, out of your emotional backpack, which is your, your body. And, you know, I get, I work with parents and when their kids are being really difficult, often it's, they have a full emotional backpack, you know, they, um, they haven't, they don't cry, they just lash out in anger, or they want to, you know, interesting, you said that they want to watch TV or eat ice cream or cookies, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's really um, helpful to just remember that welcome all feelings. That's what we talk about. Welcome all feelings, no matter how difficult they are, because they will pass if you let them. Okay. And all of these feelings, all these things our kids are experiencing, you mentioned that having that full emotional backpack, having all these feelings that they haven't actually been able to, to release, to experience, to let out can lead to bad behavior. Does that include things that we tend to see as ungrateful and entitled or is that Um, a different beast? (laughs) Oh, that's interesting to think about. Um, You know, I think that it's possible that, you know, if you're feeling like emotionally distressed or having a hard time, it could be that you think that the getting the $500 sneakers is the answer to that. So there could be a connection that way. Um, and I think that though that sort of the entitled bit in a certain way, um, it's sort of teenagers jobs still, like they're still developing to try and get whatever they can, you know, like they can want whatever they want. We don't have to give it to them, um, but they can still, it's okay to want things. It's, it's a process of learning. Um, yes, you don't get anything, everything you want. And the wanting isn't bad. It's just, you learn that you, you're not going to get everything you want in life, but the wanting, there's nothing wrong with the wanting. So maybe not, not pathologizing the wanting and, and empathizing and helping them get through the other side that they did survive the wanting. It's funny because I remember when I was a kid, I was growing up and I I don't remember specific instances of what it was that I wanted, but I just remember my dad very calmly and not sarcastic or mean or anything, just, you know, calmly, kindly. It's like, it's nice to want things. Yeah. And at the time it was so irritating. (laughs) It was a teenager. (laughs) I'm like, oh, it's nice to want things, but you know, and it was, it was something that was irritating, but that's what he was teaching me is, yeah, yeah, that's okay. It doesn't mean I'm going to get it for you, but you know, that's fine. Yeah. And I think, I think that when we see, when we, when we see teenagers as feeling entitled, it's almost like we're, it's coming from a place of fear, right? Like we're afraid that they've gone far from our values. You started off talking about, you know, that we've tried to give them 
the the values of our family of you know being being um, not materialistic or you know what whatever value that is bumping up against. Um, and we're afraid when we see them acting entitled. We're afraid that they are not going to be a good person. They're not going to turn out to be a good person. So if you can recognize when you're feeling a little bit, you know, a little bit um, like your buttons are getting pushed from the I want this, I want that, you can recognize that's coming from fear and like, it's okay. You know, my kid's going to come around. This doesn't, she can want the sneakers. And even though she wants the sneakers, I, I still believe she's a good person. Interesting. So part so let's face it, our child may be entitled if we've been giving in and getting them all the things that they wanted, or and maybe not all, but you know, there, there's a whole spectrum here, and they may be more entitled than we want them to be if we've been giving into that impulse, right? Yeah. I guess so, I'm sort of going on the assumption that um that that we haven't been giving into the impulse, but that's a great point. Like if we have previously been buying everything, you know, the keeping up with the Joneses and, and, um, and then we suddenly stop. Yes, we have created a little bit of a monster. <laughs> well, and, and I say, you know, there is, there's a whole continuum here mm -hmm. and it just might be that, you know, they're just a little further over than we want them to be, or it could be that they're way further over, even if we haven't been giving in, it would just, yeah, I hadn't thought of it either. You know, originally I had the same assumption that, mm -hmm. well, we didn't give it. And yet I know that as a parent of, you know, young 20 somethings, as I look back, I'm like, you know, I'm, overall, I'm pretty pleased with the way we handled things. And yet in hindsight, I would have done some other things differently. There are things that maybe I, I wouldn't have bought them or that I would have maybe made them more of that process or something. So mm -hmm. it, it just dawned on me when you were talking about our perspective that you know, our buttons are getting pushed and I know that as a parent our buttons get pushed a lot and sitting there in that moment and going yeah if I feel my buttons being pushed I'm like oh so maybe I have been giving into that so I, I'm kind of feeling like the first thing we do as a parent is we need to take stock of well have I been giving into that yeah well, and also if you have, why, like, you know, are you feeling not so connected to your kid anymore that you feel like, you know, maybe a way to be connected is to buy them things. Um, or maybe you don't have much time. I mean, I see that a lot, you know, kids who get a lot of stuff because their parents are working too much. Um, but really, you know, time and connection are, are the deep human, deep human, um, desires. And maybe we get, we get tricked by media and advertising to think that what we really want is the latest gadget. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or, you know, we're busy, we're working too much, volunteering too much to have too many home responsibilities and we're just too tired yeah. to, or, or we don't know that we needed to take the time to, mm -hmm. to be there and to just be in that moment and go, yeah, you know, that's hard, but that does, that, that takes energy. And sometimes we just don't feel like we have it. So it sometimes is just easier to give into that too. So, all well, right. So can I say it, can I say one more reason I please. think it's common for giving in is peer pressure on, and not, I'm just talking about teen to teen peer pressure, but um, like my kids don't, we don't give them money 
um, except for like, you know, birthdays or whatever. Um, they don't get an allowance. Um, they have jobs and my, they're surrounded by their friends who get given money by their parents. And sometimes that makes me feel guilty and bad. Like we, we have the money that we could give them, you know, we're not, we're not um, struggling financially, but my husband and I both strongly feel that it's better for them if we don't give them money. Like they, you know, of course we buy them new winter coats and jackets and stuff, but you know what I mean? Like we don't mm -hmm. give them spending money. We don't, my, my son will sleep over at a friend's house and come home and say, we went out to brunch. And I was like, you went out to brunch? And he said, yeah, you know, so-and-so's dad gave us money to go out to brunch. <laughs> I was like, I don't go out to brunch. <laughs> you know? um, and I, that really surprises me, but, and it's been hard as a parent to stay true to the, um, you know, when, when the kids are saying like, why don't you, you know, my, my so-and-so friend gets $150 a month spending money and her parents pay for her phone and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I think there is that peer pressure on us as parents. If we can, if we do have a little extra money that maybe we, we, we have to be careful not to feed that entitlement. That's a great point. And that was something I had to some degree escaped because my girl's social circle in the small town we're in, the other parents were very similar. I mean, you know, one might have more of this and less of that. It was, it was, but it balanced out as far as what they got. And I didn't know off at college, my one daughter, you know, at times she has told me about some of the other things that were going on, but she was a little older. And so she, and she wasn't living under my roof. So I didn't, here on a regular basis about some of these other things that other kids parents supplied them or did for them or whatever the case may be and that definitely made it easier and we talk about peer pressure for our kids but there is most definitely peer pressure for parents as well mm -hmm. yeah we uh you know my my middle son plays uh high level competitive baseball and he's going on a a spring training five-day trip to Florida in, in um, March and he's paid for half the trip and he's like I'm the only one on the team who has to pay for any of this you know <laughs> I said well <laughs> I feel bad for the other kids on the team <laughs> well and that is true that as you said you know these are things that will build resilience in them so I, I want to go back though to this this place of a parent when we feel our buttons being pushed the, you know, we were talking about what we can do. And the first is going, okay, have I given into that? And if so, why, mm -hmm. what else can we do for, you know, to, to keep ourselves under, I would say yeah. under control, so, but that's not exactly the word I want, but you know, to keep ourselves in line with that. the values we want to teach yeah. our kids. Yeah. So I think to recognize, I mentioned this a little bit, but I want to stress like, where is this upset coming from? Like, is it coming from a place of fear? Um, and if it is coming from place to, of fear, like, am I catastrophizing? Like the fact that my daughter will just keep on the same example. The fact that my daughter wants a $500 pair of sneakers. Is this upsetting for me because I'm worried that she's, you know, not going to be a good person and too materialistic. And, and is there really, um, is, is that really true? Um, or is that just how I'm feeling in the fear of the moment? Um, and to go back to, you know, it's okay to want things and it's okay to set the limit and, and that you can still empathize. So, all right. So that's, those are basically kind of three tools that we can use in the moment when we feel our buttons being pushed. If, if our kids are appearing entitled to us, 
how is that different if they just appear ungrateful for what mm-hmm. they have? Mm-hmm. So, um, ungrateful. Um, yeah, that's a tricky one because I guess that it's, you know, you could do some gentle pointing out. Um, you know, I hear how hard it is that you're not getting those sneakers that you really want. And darling, at the same time, I wonder if it might help to sort of do a little bit of a a, a global check here. And I mean, literally global about everything that you do have. And I know it's hard not to have the things that, and and I just as a little aside, Sandy, Mm -hmm. I think we have to remember everything that our teenagers are getting bombarded with in terms of advertising and media stuff and Instagram and the latest this and the popularity issues. And I think that's way more intense than it was when we were teenagers, um, like to the like a hundred times more intense. So I think that it's hard to remain grateful for what you have when you're, it's constantly in your face, what you don't have. Um, so maybe even talking about that with your child, you know, I, I know it's really hard when you see all these, you know, shiny celebrities with the latest this and that. Um, and I just want to remind you, sweetheart, that um, that, you know, really the, the most important thing in, in our family, my personal family, we used to say to our kids, what's important? And we would say people, not stuff. And really just without shaming or saying it's wrong to want things, just a little gentle reminder about what's really important at the end of the day. Well, that was a really great point that you made there is, you know, we talked about one place that this can be coming from can be parents. Another place is, is the media and the advertising pressure. And you've said that that's way more intense than when we were kids. Are there other things that are different that can be pushing our kids toward that entitled or ungrateful mindset? Um, you know, I wonder maybe if, if you have a child that is, um, what you see as, undue unduly materialistic and wanting stuff I wonder if that child has um, any other meaning in their life like do they have a hobby or sport or are they lonely Um, so maybe maybe if we look around and see this ungratefulness maybe there's a hole that needs to be filled I love that because that's true for all of us right and without meaning we are not happy creatures and there's yeah. going to be a hole and we're going to look for a way to fill it. We're going to do it with bad behavior or risky behavior or fill it with stuff. We're going to do something to try to fill that hole. And of course it's not going to fill up with any of those things anyway. Yeah. And, and I guess finally, I want to say like, maybe it's okay if they're ungrateful, <laughs> you know, maybe that's the feeling that they need to go through in that moment. And they don't need to be rude um, or, you know, not say thank you to the, the sweater, the sweater that Aunt Pam gave them that they didn't really like. Um, maybe it's okay that they don't like it. They can still be polite, but maybe it's just one of those things where the more you fight with somebody and tell them they should be feeling this way, the further you get away from them actually being able to feel that way. And that's a subtle distinction, isn't it? There's, as a parent, we need to teach them to be polite but I never thought of it before is that we're also trying to actually dictate their feelings. Yeah. Yeah. 
well, you should feel this way. Well, they don't actually feel that way. I, I this is a funny anecdote. One of the um, I write a, a parenting advice column for one of Canada's national newspapers, and when I was writing about this sort of um, you know the greedies at holidays, somebody wrote to me and said that they still laugh over their great niece who had been taught that if she doesn't get a present, she needs to say thanks anyways. And her great niece, who was four at the time, said, thanks anyways for the present, auntie. (laughs) (laughs) So she had been taught very well by her parents, but she added the extra word in there that she didn't know wasn't supposed to be. (laughs) (laughs) That's very cute. And, And yeah, and it is, it's funny, you know, what difference a little, a little tiny tweak makes. And I think that's true even in us, a little tiny tweak can make a big difference with our kids. Um, I just, I was kind of thinking about this idea of, you know, what we actually need to teach them, but what we tend to do. And this idea of we try to dictate their feelings. And as you said, that kind of ties back to the conversation that we were having at the beginning when you said that, you know, yeah, we don't like when our kids are having difficult feelings, that's uncomfortable for us. It's unpleasant for us. And now we're trying to dictate their feelings about how they accept a gift or feel about a gift because it's uncomfortable for us to think that either their values are off or if we're in a social situation that someone else might be unhappy or upset because Mm -hmm. our child didn't behave appropriately. Yeah, what will people think? Right, just, exactly. Just a classic trigger. Um, and, and also, I think if we're feeling like, say you have, you know, provided a really great life for your, for your child and you're feeling that as a teenager, they're ungrateful um, and it's pushing your buttons, I think to look into yourself and, and think, what is this, you know, what's the story I'm telling myself about this? Like, am I telling myself that, you know, that good parents have grateful children and now I'm feeling like I'm not a good parent because my child is not being grateful. Am I um, feeling like, you know, what, what I hear a lot from parents is I didn't get any of this when I was growing up and I would have been so happy if I had the things that my child has, whether it's time or attention or stuff or lessons or whatever it is. And I always feel like there's a small, that that small child is still inside that parent saying like, what about me? you know, like, what about me? And and that they sort of think that that's by giving their child everything they didn't have, there's something going to be um, healing about that. But really, it's, you know, sorry, if this sounds a little bit cheesy, but really, it's going back to that small child that you were that didn't get your needs met, and really, like, grieving that, and letting go of that and realizing that you are your child is not you, and they have a different reference frame of reference. um, And that that's your that's sort of your baggage. That is so interesting because definitely not a road I would have traveled down when someone talks to me about, hey, my child's ungrateful. Going back that far into our own thought process about what's happening is very, very interesting. So if a parent, though, if they if they look at it and, and find the story and can kind of, you know, work through that, then what does this come back to in terms of how we relate to our kids? So for example, we said when it came to receiving a gift, it's 
only our responsibility to teach them to be polite there. I mean, it's yes, in a more global sense, it's our responsibility Mm -hmm. to share our values with them and also to accept that they may not ultimately share the same values once they are fully grown and adults. But, Mm -hmm. you know, we want to demonstrate that we want to share that with our kids. So if we find that, yeah, we were telling ourselves a story about this, like, you know, good parents have grateful children. If we can work through that, that and realize that that's where we were at, what does that leave us if, if we come through the other end of that and go, no, I can still be a good parent, even if my child isn't grateful. And maybe I have that story because I'm really, you know, I'm really (laughs) struggling with that concept. Like, what does that look like? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it comes down to, um, for the parent, like self-worth, you know, like it's, I don't have Mm. to be perfect. I, maybe I made some mistakes and maybe my child is ungrateful, but, but I also think that I always, I also think it's just a phase that teenagers go through where they just want everything. And it's this, um, this like teenage narcissism, like it's all about me. And, and I have read some research that shows that that teen narcissism is actually related to the development of adult empathy. Um, that, you know, they have to care a lot about themselves before they can apply that to others is what is the sense that I've gotten from the research. Um, so what do you do with it at the end of the day, if you feel that your child is still ungrateful and you've unpacked all your own baggage and you've tried your best to, um, you know, instill your values. And I guess the answer for me is love them anyways, <laughs> you know, warts and all, like nobody's perfect and maybe they're a little ungrateful right now, but we, you know, we got to love our kids through the thick and thin and accept them with all of their flaws and faults, just like we have flaws and faults. I really, I really like that idea of, it gives me something to hang on to going, okay, this is, this could just be a normal phase. And, and actually it is important, but what I loved about you saying this, uh, about the teen narcissism is it goes back to the same idea of, we don't like to sit in the bad feelings, but it's important to sit in the bad feelings. We don't like to see our child be narcissistic. And yet it's important for them to do that to at least some degree at some point. Mm -hmm. And it's a learning process. And, you know, I think, and I don't want to, I don't want this to be like the only takeaway that your listeners get, but how can you encourage your teenager to, because I want, I think everything we've talked about is the most important part, but if you really feel like your teenager is ungrateful and entitled and you've, you've really, you know, done everything we've talked about and sat through all the feelings and unpacked it and whatever, um, maybe doing some like volunteer work together or doing some sort of, you know, zooming out to the, to the other communities or other people who are less fortunate, maybe that would be helpful. Um, but I don't want anyone to take that as like a punitive measure, you know, uh, sort of like, Oh, you ungrateful child, you've got to spend, you know, 10 hours a week at the local soup kitchen. Um, but it's just part of our, you know, education of these humans that, uh, that are living with us for 18 years or whatever. Well, and again, just like there's a difference between politeness and gratitude, you know, there is a difference between being narcissistic or being mean to other people and being unkind. Mm-hmm. If, 
I think that if our child is going through the world and they're being kind and they're, they're pulling their load, and that's something else we can look at too, is did we create this ungrateful child? Are we not allowing them the opportunity to shoulder their appropriate responsibilities in our household, in our family, in our extended family, in our community? I, you know, as parents, as you know, our parents, as grandparents age, are we allowing them to, you know, help out at grandma's house? Do yeah. they help out with chores around our house? Like, you know, are we allowing them to learn those things? And if the answer yeah. is yes, if we're creating a healthy environment, then what I hear you saying is if we have a healthy environment and they're not being unkind to other people or mean, and yes, they're a little focused on themselves, that's okay. It is yeah. normal and allow it to pass. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Can I just say one other thing is that I've heard from so many people that, you know, you think your teenager is the worst in the world, but then you hear all these lovely things about them from other people who know them. Um, so I think we also have to remember that, you know, not to catastrophize this, but we often see the worst side of our teenagers, um, but they're like perfectly lovely babysitters or, you know, grandchildren or students or whatever. So I think that's important to remember too. Um, and I think also I would be remiss to not mention after the $500 sneakers conversation that if your child really wants those sneakers, they can get a job and buy them. <laughs> you know, that if that, that every, I think get having the power to make some money and, um, and buy things that you want will and buy expensive things if that's what you want will make you much more appreciative and grateful for everything else that you didn't have to buy. Yeah. And so what I'm getting from this, Sarah, from all these different things you've told us is basically just take a step back, kind of look at ourselves first and say, what feelings am I having? And are they really true and appropriate about this? And is it okay for me to just have these feelings? You know, just like our kids need to be able to sit through uncomfortable feelings, it's okay for us to sit through uncomfortable feelings. And then take that step back and, and take a little more global look at how our kids are interacting in the world. And again, if that's happening in, in a healthy way, then just say, okay, we're all right, mm -hmm. we're good. And we as parents yeah. need, need to practice these things. You know, we need to practice not ready to practice not doing the suck it up buttercup or fix it mentality of parenting, yeah, but yeah. to be willing to sit with our kids. We need to be willing to um, teach them manners, but allow them to have their own feelings, not try to dictate when they are grateful. And then we need to allow them a time to, to be narcissistic, which it's something that we actually talk about in self-care is you have to take care of yourself. You have to be concerned about yourself. So we can see that certainly that is important as an adult in terms of ourselves. But as you said, in having empathy for others, I really, really appreciate all of your insights in this for parents who want to learn more from you. We will have a link to your website uh, in our show notes and on the mightyparenting.com site. But would you please share your site here for parents who sure. want to find you? Yep. It's sarahrosensweet.com. So it's uh, Sarah with an H R O S E N S W E E T. It's actually sounds just spelled just like it sounds sarahrosensweet.com. And we'll have the link in the show notes. So um, mighty parents, you can just go to mightyparenting.com and click through there or in your favorite podcast player, wherever you're listening, 
there's a link to her site. Thank you, Sarah, for all of your insights and for giving us some great specific steps and just that mind shift and things to think about. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. So Mighty Parents, thank you for being here. Remember to visit MightyParenting.com. We have a free email series for you on how to talk to your teen, some Mighty Parenting gear and more. So grab that. And thanks so much for joining us today and being part of the Mighty Parenting community. Remember that you are a Mighty Parent and you've got this. And I will see you next week. <laughs>